calendar closely and uh, you're in tune to what's going on in the calendar. We're in the time of the counting of the Omer right now. Uh, it's the time between Passover and Shavuot. Um, in Yeshua's day, this is the time when he was resurrected and walking again with the disciples. It's a 50-day count. He was here for 40 of it. And then he went to be at the right hand of the Father. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that today a little bit. Um, so the counting of the Omer. So the first question, if you don't know what it is, it's good to know what an Omer is. Okay? Yeah. No, it's not Omer Simpson. <laughs> uh, what an Omer is, is a measure of grain. So what that means is just like a gallon is a measure of liquid, like you may see like a gallon of milk. In biblical times, you say, give me an omer of either wheat or barley or some sort of grain. It's a, me it's a unit of measure. Okay? So like in Sesame Street, it was, we got, uh, what did we go to the store for at Sesame Street, Peter? It was uh, uh, a loaf of bread, a container of milk, and a stick of butter, if anybody remembers that. And, uh, but if Sesame Street was around back in biblical days, it would have gotten an omer of barley instead of the loaf of bread. But anyway, so that's what that is. Um, so it's a, it's a unit of measure of, of grain. So that's what an omer is. So then what is the counting of the omer? So I'm going to take you right to the scripture. Leviticus 23 speaks about, and I love that Mark is just going to nod his way through this whole thing. Because some people, they come into Messianic Judaism, and I don't know why people come into Messianic Judaism. Some people come in just because there's some sort of connection with the Jewish roots of the faith. Some people don't give a darn about the Jewish roots of the faith. They just want to be where the Spirit of the Lord is. You know, but that vessel over there has been in Messianic Judaism for many, many years. So he's going to see over there. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> so Leviticus 23, and a lot of people aren't going to give a hoot about this. Because they're not into, like, digging deep into Torah things. Not Mark. Leviticus 23 speaks of all the festivals. It starts with Shabbat, and it goes through all the festivals. All of them. Leviticus 23, read it all. So it goes through Passover, which we just got finished keeping. Um, it ended last night at sunset. So Leviticus 23 talks about Passover, and immediately following the verses on Passover, it says, this is right after Passover, it says, you shall bring in the omer, which is the wheat, it's around a sheaf of wheat, you shall, uh, barley, you shall bring in the omer to the priest, and he shall wave the omer, before the Lord, before Adonai. That, by the way, is biblical resurrection day. When the priest raised the crop and he waved it, that is the day that Yeshua was resurrected. So it says, He shall wave the omer before Adonai on the day after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. Okay? Right. And you shall also count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath. There shall be seven complete Sabbaths. Is what it says. So you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Okay? So got it? So you have Passover, then you have a Sabbath, and uh, the, the, you bring this omer of wheat, of barley, sorry, I'm saying wheat, barley to the priest. He waves it, and from that day on, you count 50 days until the day after the seventh Sabbath. And what happens after the seventh Sabbath? There's another verse in Deuteronomy 16. Similar verse, it says, uh, you shall count seven weeks. And then you shall celebrate the Feast of Weeks, which is Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks that is also Pentecost. Okay? So, in summary, we start with Passover. After Passover, we have a Sabbath. After the Sabbath, 
We count 50 days. And after the 50 days, we have Shavuot. Very clear, right? Makes sense? No hole on that one, right, Pamela? So as simple as this sounds, this is the subject of much debate. And you may ask, so what's so confusing about what we just saw? I'll explain. It goes to the verse that talks about starting the count after the day, the day after the Sabbath. So what's so confusing about that? This day after the Sabbath has caused much debate throughout millennia. Literally millennia. So why is that? Different calendars. So which Sabbath is the day after the Sabbath? Okay, that seems to make sense, but what Sabbath are we talking about? And you it may be like, what are you talking about? What Sabbath? Well, let me let me let me progress here. We saw there's Passover. We went through this. There's Passover. Then there's the Sabbath. After the Sabbath, there's the counting of the 50 days, the counting of the Omer, which is where we are today. We are in day seven today. It may, should say, okay, what are, so the question is, which Sabbath, and which day after which Sabbath, you start the count? Option one, the Sabbath is, like today, the seventh day Shabbat. That's option one. So you have Passover, and then you have, eventually you have a Sabbath, a Shabbat. After that, which is always on a Sunday, you start counting your 50 days. Okay? That's option one. Option two, see, Mark is nodding away. Option two, the first day of unleavened bread is a Sabbath. All of the days, when you're talking about God's festival days, his holy days, when it says it's, it's a non-work day, that is a Sabbath. So, we do have Passover, which is the evening of the 14th of Nisan, then the day after, the 15th of Nisan, is a Sabbath. So maybe the counting starts the day after that, the 16th of Nisan, and not a seventh day Sabbath like today. Okay? This is something that was debated for millennia. So after which Sabbath do we start counting? Again, option one is the day after the seventh day Shabbat, like today. Option two, we start counting after the first day of unleavened bread, because the first day of unleavened bread is a Sabbath. Got it? So let's just make it real simple here. This is the month of Nisan. This is a, this is a fake calendar of the month of Nisan. Now, it's fake, meaning I have it starting on a Tuesday. Okay? The first of Nisan in this example starts on a Tuesday. Just like in our calendar that we're used to in America, the Gregorian calendar, any day, like your birthday, can be on any day of the week, depending on the year. Okay? Right? Like, Val, what's your birthday? January 24th. January 24th. What day of the week was that? This year? Saturday. Saturday. Peter? Saturday. What day was it last year? January 4th, 2012. 2014. On a Friday. What about the year before? On a Thursday. Exactly. Same thing with the Hebrew calendar. The first, like any day, can wind up on any day of the week, depending on the year. Got that? So in this example, we're going to say the first of Nisan is on a Tuesday, in this example, which puts the, the first day of unleavened bread, which is always on the 15th, so that's then, right? So option 
And then we have the seventh-day Sabbath, okay, which is there. So option one, start counting after the seventh-day Sabbath, you start counting here. Option two, you start counting there, which is the day after the first day of unleavened bread. Do you got that? Okay. Just to make it more confusing, the last day of Passover is a Shabbat. Option three, maybe you start counting there. And why in the world would God make his, his own calendar confusing? Every other day, it's like obvious, the 14th of Nisan is Passover. That's simple. First day of the seventh month, seventh month is Rosh Hashanah. Simple. Tenth day of the seventh month is Yom Kippur. Simple. Fifteenth day of the seventh month is Sukkot. Simple. But why on Shavuot does he have it start counting the day after the Sabbath, whatever that means, then count 50 days? It can wind up on being on different days. Okay? So that's why you have the expression, two Jews, three opinions. <laughs> so the Pharisees, we all know our, our, our friendly neighborhood Pharisees, made famous by the New Testament and a lot of mistranslations about how you know, evil they are. Um, so they, the Pharisees, counted from the day after unleavened bread. Okay, so you have Passover, then you have the day of unleavened bread, which is the 15th, and that's the Sabbath, and then the, six, the day after that, which is the 16th of Nisan, the Pharisees started counting that. The Pharisees, they were like in with the people, okay? They were like, they, were, they, they ran schools, they ran yeshivas, and they were like, the, they were like the, the religious class that was sort of in with the peeps. Okay? But they started counting from the, from the day after unleavened bread. The Sadducees, our friendly neighborhood Sadducees, they started counting from the day after the Shabbat. The Sadducees were the priests, and they were involved in the temple, the temple service, and they were considered like the high class, upper echelon, rich, rich folk. Okay? Using modern-day stereotypes, like the, the Pharisees were the Democrats in with the peeps, and the uh, Sadducees are those uh, mean, nasty, rich Republicans. Okay? <laughs> Using modern-day stereotypes. Alright, um, so anyway, so after the destruction of the temple, in, in the year 70, the Sadducees went away. They lost their job. Okay, so all that was left was the Pharisees. So modern-day Judaism descends from Pharisaic Judaism. This is why modern-day Judaism has no debate about when to start the counting, because they descend from the Pharisees. So they all start counting, from the, not from the day after the seventh-day Sabbath, they all start counting from the day after unleavened bread. So the 16th of Nisan is the count in modern-day Judaism. There is a small sect called the Karaites that do, that do count from the day after the seventh day. They're a small sect. But in Messianic Judaism, because we don't follow tradition, we follow the Bible, <laughs> the debate is reopened. It's a hot topic. You're going to get Messianic synagogues that do it on Sunday. You're going to get Messianic synagogues like this one that will do it the day after. Because we decide to just be in unity with Israel no matter what. That's why we do that. Um, so the pros and cons of both. Alright? So both of these are biblically sound. You may say one is just full of it and the other has to be the truth. Both of them have their valid points. Wait. <laughs> Hey, what about us, Rabbi? We could have used a K. That's all right. And this might be the last time we do this, by the way. I was told today that Pastor Pryor may not want us to have coffee even here, so we may, we may have to take away all of our liquids. Wow. I will contact her about that. 
Um, okay, so the proof text on counting on Sunday. So, right, so one option, option one, is you start counting the day after the seventh day Sabbath. Okay? That's a good option because it says you shall count on the day after the Sabbath. Well, that makes sense. There shall be seven Sabbaths. Okay? And then the day after the seventh Sabbath is Shavuot. Okay? Is Pentecost. So that makes sense that it starts on a, on, the day after, on a Sunday, the day after. Okay? It also makes it in line with Yeshua's resurrection being on a Sunday. It makes Pentecost always on a Sunday. So this is why a lot of Messianics prefer it. Okay? The other one. Proof text starting of the day after unleavened bread. The book of Joshua explicitly says they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day. On the day after Passover, on that day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes. What that means, on this day when you waved the grain, on that day, before that day, you were not allowed to eat new grain. That was the day when you're finally allowed to eat new grain. That's biblically what it means. And it's so beautiful that Yeshua was resurrected on that day because that's when the new grain is edible, after his resurrection. But it specifically says in the book of Joshua that they celebrated that, not on the day after a seventh-day Sabbath, the day after Passover. That's pretty explicit. So that's a pretty good proof text to how modern-day Judaism does it. Well, what about that there has to be seven complete Shabbat so seven complete Sabbaths? Well, Judaism translates that as not Sabbaths, but as weeks. And I don't see that really being accurate in Scripture, but heck, they know Hebrew much better than I do. Maybe they're right. But it always puts Shavuot and Pentecost on, on the sixth day of the third month of Nisan. And it can be on any day of the week, not just Sunday. So are you confused? Slightly. Good! 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 Mission accomplished! Many people come to Messianic Judaism because they want to know the truth. And people come here and they're like, okay, now we're finally, we got Jesus and we got the Old Testament. This is where we're going to find the truth. Nah! I want you leaving here more confused than you came in here. You did it. Because once you think you got the truth, I don't know, he's going to kick you in the pants. And he's going to show you something else. And you're going to be like, huh, this is why I love Pamela. Because she comes in here every week. She has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not a clue. But she comes back. <laughs> because there's something in her spirit. like, I don't get what the heck he's talking about. But there's something in here that I, that I feel is true. So I'm just going to keep coming back, even though I have no clue what happens from one moment to the next. <laughs> <laughs> People come to Mishkan David, people come to Messianic synagogues, they think they got the truth. I tell you, this is not the place you're going to find the truth. We have part truth. The church next door has part truth. If you were able to take God and turn it into a, put boundaries on him, which you cannot. But if, you, if, this, if this circle here represents God and the church has like truth that's like a dot, and you come to Messianic Judy's like, oh, this is the truth. It's a dot. It's a dot. It keeps us humble. Okay? He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No congregation got it all. Including us.
So I'm glad you're confused because I don't want you getting a haughty in a messianic place saying, this is, we got it all out, we got it all figured out. I want you to leave here not knowing what the heck we spoke about like Pamela does every single week. <laughs> so, but anyway, it, who is correct? Who is correct? Is it, is it the Pharisees? Is it the Sadducees? When is Shavuot? My gosh, it's one of God's holy days. I want to celebrate it on the right day. I have the answer. Are you ready for my answer on which of those days is the true correct day of counting and the true correct day of Shavuot? Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Here is the official Mishkan David response. You want to give it a free count? You ready? We got to do it in Hebrew. Echad, Shtaim, Shalosh. You ready? Echad, Shtaim, Shalosh. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Hallelujah! <laughs> Rabbi Peter and I used to talk about this stuff all the time. But we had a rule that we will not talk about it unless we were able to talk about it over beers. <laughs> because it made sure that we didn't take it too seriously. <laughs> so if anybody wants to raise their hand and say, well, Rabbi, I kind of see it differently. Baruch Hashem. Here's the true answer. And this may be confusing to you. And here is why. I need to explain the difference between Torah and Halakha. Say Halakha. Halakha. Torah, Torah is the written word. It's the written law. It's indisputable. It's the instructions given to Israel. Every bit of it is true. Whether we like it or not. I'm sorry I have gay friends. But it says that homosexuality is a sin. It doesn't change, no matter how the world wants to change things. What sin is sin. It says what it says. It's indisputable. It's indisputable. That's the written law. Halakha means the way. Ha is the, lacha is, is the way, or the walk, uh, the way. How, it's, and how the Torah is translated, and how it is applied. There's a difference between the written law and how we apply said written law. Okay? So, we have the Torah. Okay? One commute, Mishkan the, 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 the Messianic congregation in Woonsocket, the Messianic congregation in, in, in Massachusetts, the Jewish synagogue here, the church next door. They have ways of translating it now you must make a difference between what is written law and what is the translation of the written law. Okay? And let me keep okay, I'm gonna give an example here. Here's law. You shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath place. On the Sabbath day. Law. Okay? But and that's true. We we have to agree that that's scripture. We have to. However, some may say you that means you can't drive. That means you can't try, because under your hood, when you press the gas and the pistons go up and down, you're causing a fire. So some may say you can't try. 
That's halakha. That's law. That's halakha. Some may say it only applies in your house because it says in your dwellings. So don't do it in your house, but go out and light a campfire. That's another halakha. Some may say it only applies like the way you used to do it in, in the old days, because that was really work. It's not work these days to flick a match or something like that, but back then with, with you know, lighting a fire manually was a lot of work, and it's about work on Shabbat, so it only applies there. Some people say that. Some people say you can't flick a light switch because it does cause a spark. And some people say it only applies to cooking, but that's really the context of the scripture. All of these are valid. They're all valid. There's Torah, and there's the way it's applied. Another example. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. That's a popular one. We all agree that that's scripture. That's Torah. There's some people that say you cannot, you, you cannot say Yahweh, you and Hevante. You're not allowed to say it. Not allowed to say it. Okay? That's one translation. Some even say you're not even allowed to say Adonai. The Orthodox Jews, my sister, will not say Adonai. Some may say, it just means speaking falsely in his name. If you say, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord did the thus saith to you, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. I happen to believe that's what it means. Some may say it's, pre it's speaking profanity. G-D, right? Some may say, you can only say yud hey but hey. There are these, these groups that say, you're not allowed to say anything but that. Okay? There's the Torah, and there's the way you translate it. Okay? Before I get into that, I must tell you that God made the Torah intentionally a little bit confusing. Okay? The Orthodox Jews have it all figured out, and I'll tell you how they have it all figured out. They, they say that their halakha, the way they translate the Torah and the way they apply the Torah, came down from Mount Sinai to Moses in the form of an oral law that got, tr that got transmitted down orally throughout the generations. That cannot be true because it says in Scripture that Moses wrote all the words that were spoken to him. So there's no such thing as an oral law that came from Sinai. However, there are examples in the Scripture of Moses not knowing how to do something and he had to ask the Lord. There's in Numbers 9, Passover just happened, okay? And somebody went to Moses and said, Moses, I wasn't able to celebrate Passover because I was unclean. What do I do? And Moses said, Hang on. Let me ask Adonai and get back to you. So he asked Adonai, Adonai, what's the ruling in this one? Adonai said, that's good that you ask. He was unclean. He can celebrate it a month after. Second Passover. Got it. Celebrated the month after. That, that paradigm continued to exist. Even when Moses set up 70 elders to kind of judge the people, that was their ruling. The people would say, what about this? I don't know. A ruling would happen, and it became the halakha. It became the way the Torah was translated. Okay? That makes sense? Here's a real-life example. And I believe that God allows congregations groups of people, communities, to establish their own halakha. It doesn't mean it's wrong if the church next door does it differently. And it's so critical to 
to understand that because I can't tell you how many divisions have happened because of not the word of God, but because of translational issues. Here's a real life Mishkan example. We have our tzitzit, right? And that comes from scripture. That's Torah. They shall make for themselves tzitzit on the corners of their garments. They shall put tzitzit on each corner, a cord of blue. So it mentions the blue. It shall be a tzitzit for you to look at, remember the commandments, so to do them and not follow after your own heart. Okay. Rabbi Peter. Rabbi Peter. Used to go to Beit Tachia, which was a congregation in Massachusetts. Valu went there, and some others. Um, the rabbi there was Rabbi Toby Hawksley. So all of a sudden, Rabbi Peter comes in, because all the Torah says is there's got to be a blue thread. It doesn't mention the colors of the others. So Rabbi Peter comes into service one day. Maybe you were there and know this story. He comes in with his multicolored seat seat. <laughs> now, traditionally, it's blue, but the rest are white. But it doesn't say the rest have to be white. It just says one has to be blue. So he's like, so he comes into service with his multicolored seat seat with a blue. And Rabbi Toby said, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how we do it. <laughs> but, and, but, you know, in the natural world, what are you talking about? You know? But, in the, but, but, but that, that is halakha for that community. That was holy because the rabbi, that's how she wanted to translate this. She wanted it to be white. That's, we may not agree with it. They go up with Cyrus, the freedom of the Lord is being kicked in the pants. That is holy what she did by establishing halakha for her congregation. And it was holy for Rabbi Peter to do what he did. He only wore tzitzit like this, moving forward. Because that was, the, that was the way they translated the Torah. It's not right or wrong. It's a translational issue. But now we come to Mishkan David, we don't care what color you wear. We don't even care if you don't wear it. You can wear it hanging from your ear. <laughs> but that's halakha for us. Yeah. It's not more right or more wrong than Rabbi Toby's congregation. It's our, it's our way of translating the Torah. Both congregations keep the law, keep the Torah. They translate it differently. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Both are holy unto Adonai. What's unholy is causing disunity about these things. Yeah. And so much disunity happens about these types of things. And if you ever want to talk about it, <coughs> make sure we're drinking so we don't take ourselves too seriously. Keep it friendly. Keep it friendly. So which way is the right way? I am the way. Yeshua says. He is the right way. Which way is the truth? What's the congregation that has the truth? I am the truth. You must understand the radical nature of when he said, I am halakha in that type of community. Yeah. When there was so much debate on what is the right halakha, the right way to do things, he says, I am halakha. I am the way. Okay? So if you are confused, good. We'll sit and have a beer. I expected a lot more challenge than I did. I was ready to hand out my beer. So this year, doesn't it coincide It does. It does. So in conclusion, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> don't talk about it without that.
this year we are in alignment. So let's. What I mean by that is the ones that trend, that start the counting. Okay, Friday night was Passover, first night of Passover. Saturday, the day we had our seder, except during the day, was that Sabbath on Passover. The, the day of rest. The day, the 15th of Nisan is a day of rest according to scripture. But it also was a Sabbath. So whether you're one of the folks who want to start counting the day after the seventh day Sabbath, or you want to start counting on the day after Passover, this year it aligns. Yeah. Interestingly, in the church calendar, that Sunday was Easter, so we're even aligned with the church. Right. Rather, they are in alignment with us. Why? For once. So, we are all celebrating Shavuot and Pentecost together this year. And may Adonai truly receive that as a unified yes. worship from his body. Yeah. So let's, this is the traditional prayer for the counting of the Omer. So let's stand up and let's say it together.